Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire, and you're listening to Talking CFD with Robin Knowles. It's kind of like my show, but for CFD nerds, prepare to ignite. Welcome back to another episode of Talking CFD, and today I'm joined by Eric Miller, fellow podcaster and one of the co-founders of Simulation Experts, PADT. Welcome to the show, Eric. Oh, thanks for having me. No trouble. Now, I know that PADT stands for Phoenix Analysis and Design Technologies. I know that you guys do more than just CFD and that you've been doing it for a while, but I don't know too much more than that. So uh, can you bring me or us up to speed on PADT today before we yeah. wind back to the beginning? What what, what, yeah, does, what it, do you guys look like today? It's it's uh, The biggest problem we have is telling people what we do. The answer is everything. Uh, <laughs> so, so we focus on – we have three different divisions. The, the first is focused on simulation. And we do full physics. We do CFD – uh, mechanical, structural, all that stuff. We do high-frequency electromagnetics. We do some piezoelectric, and we kind of combine them all together in, in multi-physics. And we do consulting for that. And then we're also a channel partner for ANSYS in that area. And then the next area is our design group, where we do full product development for folks from start to finish. Um, early, Our favorite thing to do is early-stage conceptual stuff, um, because you don't have to necessarily get it right. You just get to have fun. And then uh, well, we'll take it all the way to production for the customer and help them through production. And then our third group is focused on 3D printing. And we're a Stratasys reseller, as well as a service provider for 3D printing. So we have about 13 machines, and we make all sorts of plastic parts, and we're starting to make metal parts. So we basically kind of do whatever a, a company that produces products needs to do, uh, but real focus on simulation, 3D printing, and kind of advanced design. Does sort of simulation span all those different areas, though? You kind of doing simulation uh, around the 3D printing as well, and, and kind of fully integrated? Yeah, starting to do that. It's It's been something we've wanted to do for some time. Uh, we haven't really had good tools for simulating uh, the whole 3D printing process or even the parts when they come out. It's been kind of a pain in the butt. But uh, over the last three or four years, we've really started to do more and more of that. And, and that really is a differentiator where we tell people is, you know, we're a company that can do all three of those things. So if we're doing design for you, we've got some of the best simulation people in the world just in the cubicle next door and we've got in-house 3d printing as well um and, and vice versa we we often make models of things we do 3d printing of um or that we do a simulation of at the end they go well can you you know you change the design can you can you print it and we yeah we can do that so um it, it's it's a lot of fun to do all three and and kind of our origin story is uh, the reason why we started, why we do these three things um, is not necessarily just a lack of discipline, but it's also, <laughs> that's that's what we all did 25 years ago when we started the company. So um, the, th the three of us that started the company worked at what's now Honeywell Engines. Uh, it was at the time Allied Signal, and they make the Garrett turbine engines and Garrett turbochargers, as well as air research uh, equipment as well. And um, we were doing internal consulting. We did simulation. We did design, we did 3D printing for the rest of the company as kind of an internal consulting group. And we decided that we would start a company based upon those three technologies, which back in 1994 were very new, very unproven, um, and, and very rare as well. So we thought we would build a company around those three technologies, and here we are today still doing them. Yes, I mean, I'm imagining things have changed quite a lot over that time. But I mean, obviously, there was some buy-in when you were an internal group. Was it difficult to kind of net those first customers, get some, find some believers? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, internally, 
Um, it was really hard when we were still working within Allied Signal. Um, you know, simulation costs a lot of money and not necessarily gave you the right answer. And most of the project leaders had paid for simulation and not got anything out of it. So they were kind of against it. The 3d printing was easy. 3d printing's always been easy to get people to go for Cause it's just so cool. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then advanced design, you know, we were still doing, when I started, we were still doing 2d drawings and we were really pushing 3d solid modeling and then parametric solid modeling. That's kind of where we were on the leading edge was the whole idea of building these parametric solid models of turbine engine components. And, and that was a very much an uphill battle. We started the company even more so because uh, aerospace was starting to adopt it, but outside of aerospace, it was very much a 2D world. It was very much a build and bust, no prototyping, no simulation. Um, and so, yeah, it was, a, it was a long, long haul. It took about five years before we kind of established ourselves outside of the turbo machinery business. Um, and then it's just been growing since then. Is that still a, a core element of the, the, the business, though, the turbo machinery? Yeah, small turbo machinery, not necessarily oh, okay. the big guys. Yeah, the big guys have their own capabilities, right? So they don't they don't need us anymore. <laughs> what we do for them um, is we write software to uh, customize some of their processes. We do training, we do mentoring, we do support. Uh, every once in a while, we'll get an overflow job from them, but uh, they're they're pretty well taken care of. They don't need to outsource too much. Um, but uh, so where we do a lot of turbo machinery these days and, and, and where we apply a lot of our CFD is small blowers and pumps. Okay. Um, and so really taking that experience from a high efficiency side and taking uh, a product that's just not quite there from a performance standpoint and getting that performance where the customer needs it. So are we talking turbochargers, small gas turbines, that sort of thing? Or? Uh, uh, a little bit of that, but mostly uh, moving air Gases like hydrogen for fuel cells. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, um, uh, we've dabbled a little bit in some aerospace applications, which I can't talk about. Yeah. But we're moving fluids around ag again, um, and uh, the efficiency is there. We've even done um, some custom pumps for um, the gasoline or the petrol in your in your world uh, business. So there was a, a guy that that wanted to put the tanks much deeper in the ground. So he needed a bigger pump basically. And uh, we, we designed that for him and pat it's actually a patented thing. And now he sells them to uh, truck stops around the world that, that want to bury their tanks deeper. So what would you say the, the kind of the split is at the moment between sort of project work where somebody might come to you with a, a discrete thing that they want fixing and kind of a, where you are somebody's sort of R and D group, if you like. Yeah, it's about it's about fifty fifty on the design side, where um, where we're we're about half the time we're kind of doing their R and D, and the rest of the half the time they've got an existing design, and we're just kind of figuring out how to make it better. Or find a lot of times it's finding the problem. Uh, a lot of our simulation work is that area. We've got. Um, a couple projects now where uh, they're complicated thermodynamic issues that are CFD and structural and thermal and uh, the performance just isn't there. So being able to see inside with simulation, we're able to help the, the company understand why the performance isn't where it is. Although I haven't done a lot of work in that particular world, I'm guessing that uh, in a lot of circumstances that the problem isn't necessarily exactly what they thought it was in the first place. 
It's we're almost always wrong. Yeah, <laughs> they're wrong. We're wrong, and, and and it's always some sort of a a swirl or a turbulence or a pressure distribution that you just didn't expect. And and th- these a couple of these recent applications have involved combustion as well as uh, pumping and things. And so you know, understanding how things are mixing um, pre and post ignition is not intuitive. Um, and that's what we're finding. So it's got a lot of fun. We get to play with baffles and things and fix these problems and much easier to do a simulation than test. It also doesn't sound like the, what you might call low hanging fruit. This sounds like um, you've got to the, uh, you've got to the trickier to pluck stuff. It's getting, uh, it's getting complicated up there. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, I mean, the software, as you know, has gotten so much better that, users are capable you don't have to be a full-time simulation person or have a phd to do cfd anymore right you can you can really get good answers the the tools across the board from high to low end are are so much more easier to use um so we're not seeing those problems and when we do i'll be honest with you every once in a while we'll come in and we're like yes this looks this is this is easy this we're going to knock this out of the ballpark the geometry is the problem The reason why they outsourced it is they couldn't get the geometry right. So we'll spend two thirds of the time trying to mesh the dang thing. Um, And, and sometimes not, I think the only time we failed on a CFD job in the last five years has been, we could never get the whole thing meshed. Um, It was a gigantic, um, let's just call it a science experiment um, that they were trying to replicate um, and do CFD on the cooling for this giant science experiment. And we could just never get it good enough you know, there's your classic problem of tiny little features and a huge part. Yeah, absolutely. And Scale. It just within the yeah within the resources of what were available to us and them, we just could never get it to go. Um, so we ended up simplifying the problem and solving it, but we could never get the big thing to go. Cue loads of meshing software vendors contacting you uh, <laughs> yeah. um, after the show. <laughs> yes, I, they can they can give it a try. It's a gr- it's a great test case. <laughs> What kind of split do you have now between people working on problems like that and then people putting um, workflows and processes together to, to kind of improve efficiency of the actual CFD as opposed to a part or, or a design? Yeah, in our in our consulting team, I would say at any given time we're about we got about thirty percent of our work is uh, automation or process improvement. Um, I'd like it to be more. We, we actually like those projects. We like writing software. We like you know, getting deep and, and teaching the customer to fish, you know, and giving them that tool that lets them be more efficient. And so at any given time, like right now, I think we've got two projects going in that area. Uh, and they're both, ironically, uh, turbo machinery. Right oh, okay. Now. So we're helping, helping people uh, streamline that process of, of modeling that uh, complicated geometry quickly. Yeah, because within a given company or something like that, you tend to find that people do a lot of the same thing. So there's, there, there's definite benefits to be gained from, from putting those processes in place. Um, it also sounds a little bit like your, I mean, the, the sort of things that you're working with, it doesn't sound like I can't think of a tool off the top of my head that would do all of those things. So do you spend a lot of your time um, making tools talk to each other? Yeah, we. Let, I mean, that's all we used to do. In fact, my whole rise to—I uh, I won't say fame—but I got recognized early in my career because of my ability to cook tools together, um, and that's all we did. Right? We wrote our own code to do everything, um, uh, other than the solver. Um, we had to hook everything up. Uh, now, not so much. Um, what we spend most of our time doing is 
automating on top of the existing tools. So as as an Ansys reseller, that's generally fluent on the CFD side. If it's turbo machinery, it's CFX. Um, and so we're writing things on top of them. Um, even on the multi-physics side, uh, it pretty much handles the interaction between tools fairly well now. So the days of uh, you know writing all this Python code to string everything together, un- unfortunately fading, because I really enjoyed doing it. <laughs> but good, good, good from a productivity standpoint. We don't have to do that anymore. So it's it's less and less of an issue. Um, yeah, we're what we're really looking at doing is is automating the process uh, using the existing tools and don't have to write as much as we used to. Um, the only area that we're still doing that is every once in a while we get a project where we're combining test and simulation. Okay. So taking test data from a rig or something, um, and then giving a tool to the product engineer that they can take uh, CFD from their CFD expert and test data from their test guy and combine the two and then tweak the CFD till it matches the test data. And that that's a lot of fun. And that that requires a lot of stringing together code, which is fun. Oh, you want to get it, you're in the middle of that fight, are you? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Well, this customer decided the test is right, so <laughs> we okay. didn't have to. The customer's fight always right. Yeah, the customer's always right. We're like, I think the CFD is actually right, but oh well. <laughs> I suppose one of the good things these days is if you wait around long enough, Ansys will buy the, the functionality, you buy a new tool in, or develop something new that uh, that'll it'll do what you need anyway. It, it it certainly has happened. You know, we ran into that uh, most recently on icing. Okay. So we were we were helping customers do ice build up. Yeah, ice build up, and and uh, we were using we were doing like like you said, we were hooking together FenSap, which was kind of the leading code for that, to Ansys. And then uh, all of a sudden, they're very good about not sharing that they're acquiring somebody. So we had no idea. <laughs> Next FenSap meeting, uh, we're part of Ansys now. So you guys don't have to work on this anymore. <laughs> it's going to be built in. We're like, okay, cool. Um, but yeah, they, they if there's if the customers really need it, they will do that. And they, and they certainly have been on an acquisition binge lately. Uh, but more on the electronic side recently. So it hasn't impacted us as much. But you guys are not developing sort of in-house solvers and things like that. Last solver we did was a really specialized thermal solver that we probably could have gotten an open source one, but we just decided we'd write our own so we didn't have to deal with it. Um, Finite difference. But yeah, uh, in general, we hardly ever do any kind of solver design anymore any company that's been around long enough there's a uh, there's a, a solver writing project somewhere buried deep in the uh, in the archives yeah or a mesher uh, a lot of our guys um on the cfd side have solvers from their phd um and i know they've got them on their machines they don't admit to it but i know they're sitting on there somewhere um because i know the, the fortran compiler gets used every once in a while <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the my favorite is um, you know we have Ping Golf here in town. I don't know if you've heard of them, but they okay. make uh, golf balls and golf clubs yep. and stuff. And and they do they're actually owned by a former turbo machinery aerospace engineer. Oh really? And so yeah, yeah. The guy that started the company was a golfer who also worked for GE. And um, so they apply a lot of high end. They've always applied a lot of high end engineering. And there's a lot of PhD theses from Arizona State University that have done some great CFD on golf balls and golf clubs and some really cool, you know, spinning ball with dimples on it traveling through the air stuff and so a couple of our our uh, cfd users um, that's how they learned cfd was on a cartesian code that they used to do that and it's 
pretty cool stuff. Yeah, sometimes the, uh, the the internal codes, the highly specialized things in some of these places really are quite impressive. Yeah, what it's able to do and solve, um, and this was before GPUs. I think they're rewriting it right now um, to, to, to use the GPUs. They're going to be able to do some pretty amazing stuff. Just somebody needs to lever it out of there. Yeah. Um, so I mentioned that uh, you guys have been doing this for a while. Is it your 25th anniversary uh-huh. this year? Yes, it was. Yeah, I can't believe it. I only aged 15 years in that 25 yeah, absolutely. years because of relativity, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so back in the uh, back in the early days, was it was it just the three of you did you say? Yeah, there were there was there was there was a fourth person that that lasted a little while. It was the small business was not their thing, so oh, okay. so they they parted early, and then yeah, it was just us, and we we used our former coworkers as uh, as uh, night uh, workers. We kind of used them oh, to okay. fill in the gaps and and earn a little bit extra money for the first year or two, and then and then we hired our first employees, and uh, it's kind of hard to remember all that, but yeah. We started very, I used to do almost all the simulation myself back then. Um, And uh, I don't know if I could do anything more than teach a class today. (laughs) If I had to do a real model, it would be tough. (laughs) I'm thinking those days it would have been, would it have been in-house compute as well? Yeah. So we were really lucky in that we had built good relationships with a lot of hardware vendors uh, when when they were trying to sell to this large corporation called Allied Signal. And uh, when we started the company, they were really nice. They sold us, they didn't give us anything but they sold us their demo boxes so we had an hp about a two-year-old hp uh, hp ux workstation and two sgi irises uh which you know are slower than probably you know my watch but at the time those were pretty high-end boxes and i think we paid like 10k each for them um it was before the pentium came out so that's what changed everything is when when intel came out with the pentium um the pcs became we started shifting to the pc at least with the sgis if you pick them up you felt like you were buying something by the pound. <laughs> exactly you felt like you were buying something by the time and it had that cool flight simulator which we we did spend yes. a lot of time before we had customers playing with so um yeah we had a lot of fun with that um those machines were way ahead of their time they had video they had audio um, but it was all proprietary, right? So yeah, absolutely. Um, early early internet um, days, we weren't really doing any work on the internet, but we were starting to get email and things like that. And you know, it all kind of we didn't really pay much attention to it. It just kind of happened. And next thing you know, we're buying uh, Pentium two boxes for two thousand dollars that are twice as fast as the yeah. SGI, and it, we never really looked back. So, do you guys still do most of your um, compute in house? We have until this year. Um, okay. This year we we so we've been using a company called Nimbix. Oh yeah. Uh, there's a there's about three out there. I think Rescale's another one. Um, they um, and then Ansys has their own cloud solution which runs in Azure. Um, the problem has always been that these cloud providers just don't get HPC. No. So I'm um, running on a web server that's got a virtual machine on it. And it just wasn't working. So they finally figured that out. Um, and uh, Nimbix, Nimbix has really got some really nice hardware. Um, and we have some customers that run on some of the other places. We've been we've been testing the the Ansys cloud. It's been working really well as well. So um, I think I think we've bought our last large cluster. Uh, ah, that's interesting. Yeah, for now, you know these these pendulums swing back and forth. Yes. Um, the the nice thing is we can probably run eighty percent of our CFD on our desktop machine. Okay. It's like a like maybe an eight eight core 
box or maybe a 10 core box where we use eight cores, load it with as much memory as we can. Most of the CFD we do, we can run on that. Um, then we got what we call desk side servers where we'll have maybe 48 cores and the vast majority of our work will run on that. But when we need to go bigger than that, or we need a faster turnaround, now we're, we're going to go to the cloud. Um, which is we built a server room that's really pretty and it shows great on our tour, but I think there's like four boxes left in it. It's just a giant empty rack. Loads of flashing lights. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, the lights are all gone now. There's like four oh. lights flashing now. So I, I don't know what we're going to do to that. It's the coolest room in the building, so maybe I'll just move in there. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, our, our times of, uh, you know, and the pendulum will swing back and forth. And then on the structural and the uh, electromagnetic side, the desktop, uh, servers or workstations are plenty powerful. That's something that's particularly changed over the uh, over the time. Over, let's be honest, twenty five years. It's not that long, is it? If you uh, no. and and the the change is amazing. Yeah, and it's been mostly. I mean, the the software's changed immensely, but. Uh, you know, I never thought we'd have these GPUs for 2,500 bucks that basically double the speed of my solves. Yeah. You know, it's just it's just amazing. So um, we're, we've been running on a Nimbix, uh, a couple of Nimbix machines recently that have, I think they've got two GPUs on them. And the turnaround time is just incredible. Um, it's it, And the CFD codes are scaling well on these. Not, not so much on the GPU, but on the multiple cores. And we're starting to see them take advantage of the GPU. The mechanical tools scale really well on the GPU. Um, and we've been really having fun with that. Oh, don't tell me that. I, I don't want to, I don't want it to sound like they're having all the good stuff. And, and well, well, scaling well means you know on this on the uh, on the CFD side we're linear to like God, what is it now? Like three thousand cores or something like that. More than um, I've got. Yeah, on the structural side, um, you know, we're linear to twelve, I think. And then if we, if we throw a GPU on, we can get some good performance up to like forty cores. That's it. That's when it stops. So they're still way behind. <laughs> And you guys, obviously, as a uh, did you say you was a, uh, an Ansys reseller or just yeah. an, an Ansys mm-hmm. partner or whatever they call it these days? Yeah, Ansys Channel. We call ourselves channel partners. So, do open source tools come into your world at all, or have you? you- yeah, it's 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 an interesting question. So, outside of Ansys, we're heavy users of open source. Um, uh, and and if I had my druthers, we'd use more of it. Um, so our CRM, our databases, um, a lot of our our non um, simulation tools, and non CAD. Of course, we have to use SolidWorks because that's what our customers use. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those tools, a lot of the tools we use on the three D printing side are open source. Oh really? Um, or or academic. Um, so we will use a lot of lab codes. So we still do use some, some government lab codes, um, you know, that the U S government has written and that you can yeah. buy from them for kind of the fee of a, I think it's the fee of what it used to cost to put it on tape, but they've kept the, the cost oh, wow. for the download. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we do use a little bit. We, we use, um, some of the engineers more than others use, uh, open source tools around pre and post processing a little bit. Um, and, and certainly when we're writing code we use a lot of open source tools uh, but when push comes to shove um, we you know we use ansys pretty exclusively on the simulation side and we haven't um, dabbled probably since the fluent acquisition we haven't dabbled in any of the open source cfd i was kind of wondering whether it comes on into discussions when you're talking to customers who perhaps maybe see something like uh, open foam or something like that and think well can we can we do what we want to do 
without the license cost or i often wonder whether it's even on the radar of 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 users if you like as opposed to cfd nerds it's on the it's definitely on the 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 minds of the consultants um so they're the ones that are that are you that will use they may lease ansys for a little while for something an ansys tool for something they can't do with the open source but they'll use a lot of open source tools or they'll use old tools where they haven't paid maintenance on it um you know just because of the cost situation um now the cloud the cloud may change that you know it may be cheaper for a consultant to use commercial code but yeah right now you're looking at a huge price difference um i think the other thing that's changed the reason why we don't see open source as much in the ansys world is we've got something called the startup program uh, okay and if if you're a startup you can buy ansys for really cheap um and basically whatever you can afford. So we look at your financials, where you are in the funding cycle, and we, we negotiate a price. So where uh, a startup may have, like we were working with a company that does uh, aftermarket aerodynamics for um, cars. Okay. Um, mostly Subaru, which is very popular here. I don't know if that's big in the UK, but they were they were looking at using uh, off the sh- uh, open source tools but we did a deal with them using the full ansys suite using the startup uh, um, uh, package and so they were able to get access to the full thing and now that they're making good money they're paying full price for their ansys product so th- that's i think you know i was thinking about it um, the other day why why are we not seeing as much open source as we used to and i think that's it that it was a lot of startups um who who couldn't afford. There was just no way you could go to your your financial people and say, "I, you know, I need one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for this suite of tools," and they would just laugh at you. Um, but uh, now, now we can bring that price way down. So I think that's been the big change. So we we do still see it with consultants. We of course see it in academia quite a bit, um, and uh, people that are writing custom vertical applications will use open source solvers uh, as a core. Um, and, and, and yes, the CFD nerds, uh, we, we have a couple consultants that we sometimes, uh, outsource to, and they, they're running all sorts of things in the background. So, I mean, what, what is almost a fairly subtle change to a, a licensing terms has had quite a, a huge impact mm-hmm. on, on usage. Yeah. They seem to still be getting to grips some of the commercial vendors with the cloud and how they license usage on the cloud. Do you, right. do you think that's kind of the next, the next thing once they've kind of figured that out, then again, it's going to be another reason why, well, why not? Yeah. I think that that's the, the, the two things that are keeping you from going from the cloud. Now it used to be just the hardware wasn't there. Now the hardware's there. So, and if you're a large corporation, there's not a lot of barriers because it's your own IT department is probably more cumbersome than anything else in the world. But uh, if you're a small company, um, the price, the price model per whatever you want to call it, if it's per hour per CPU cycle, you know, I don't know if they've worked out what that is. That's still a barrier to entry because, because, you know, the reason, one of the reasons why we stopped using, um, solving on other people's computers and we, we called it mainframes back in, in the day was if I was doing a consulting job and it ran for two days and I screwed up and I had the pressure or the velocity going out instead of in. Are you giving me this? I've got the sweats now. Yeah. yeah. You can imagine, you look at your results and you're like, crap, the flow's the wrong direction. And I just spent $10,000 in CPU time. I can't charge my customer for that. They're not going to pay for that. And it's one of the things that killed mainframe rentals, uh, timeshare 
is what we used to call it, right? Um, so the cloud's got to come up with a more flexible solution. So when I screw up, um, I'm not paying money. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't know that we're going to solve that problem uh, soon, but people are trying. We've got all sorts of schemes out there. Um, Ansys will be launching something soon called Elastic Licensing that I'll, I'll let them explain when it gets fully launched. But it's a little bit more flexible, as the name implies, on, on how you can license stuff. I know that um, like Altair's got their token system, which I think is very flexible uh, and gives you a lot of options. Um, it's, it's the, we never compete with Altair on a sale from technology. It's their tokens that always uh, get the customer's interest. It's a really very uh, cost-effective thing. Um, so, and I, and I don't know what Siemens is doing. I really don't know. Um, but they're, they're having to address this as well. So I think that's, I think you're exactly right. Figuring out the pricing scheme is going to be the next thing. And the other barrier is it's just a pain in the butt to get all the legal stuff done when you're running on somebody else's machine. Now we didn't, lawyers didn't get involved in this stuff 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Now they're in, they're in everything. And maybe this is less in the UK, but here, you know, we have to sign 20 pages worth of paperwork just to log onto a computer. Um, so I think that needs to be streamlined to where I can just click on something and get access. Uh, yeah, sounds a little bit like we're in the wrong business. We need to be doing the legals. I, every time I'm sitting in a meeting with lawyers, I'm thinking, I, yeah, they make three times as much. I mean, I, I, not myself so much myself, but I look at one of my experts in CFD, like uh, our, our lead CFD guy's name is Clinton Smith. And he's, he's really good, you know, PhD, just been doing this for, I think, 10 or 15 years now. And he knows this stuff inside and out. And he's making one third that this lawyer who, has who were finding typos in his document is making three times as much and we're still we're still proofreading his contract like ah we should have been lawyers but uh oh well (laughs) it is what it is i enjoy i do like going to work every morning i don't know that they do well that kind of leads me into the next one because i don't get to talk to that many consultants so when i do I have uh, got to pick the brain, especially if they've been doing it for a while, and they're obviously they obviously know a few uh, a few of the tips and tricks. But um, it feels to me like customers are perhaps doing more of their own simulations that perhaps they might have outsourced a few years ago, and that consultants need to be finding those higher value projects and doing that higher extracting that that value from the tools is is that your experience and and how do we rise up that chain yeah i think i think two things have happened um one is like we were talking about earlier the tools have gotten so much better and the hardware has gotten so much better that they can do a lot of it in-house um also uh we the, the the reality is there's low cost providers out there there are there are literally rooms of people in lower cost countries who just run CFD 24 seven. Um, and, and some of these larger companies, especially that want to do, you know, 15 different configurations of, of some piece of geometry, they'll just outsource it to somebody in China or India. And now we're seeing other countries that are even cheaper than those where they're very talented people and they cost, you know, one eighth per hour that uh, a U.S. or a European uh, user costs. So, um, that's where we've seen a lot of the low-hanging fruit go. Um, oh, interesting. Less so being done, and this may be a U.S. thing, but less so being done here in the U.S. and more so being outsourced uh, to offshore. And the the engineer, the CFD analyst here is designing all the runs that he wants, but they're being done overseas um, where everything's just cheaper. 
Um, so we've lost a lot of work to that more so than, than in-house uh, with smaller companies. It is the, the tools are good enough to where they just don't need, don't need somebody to do it outside. Um, so yeah, we're moving up the value chain. It's either helping them be more efficient or solving these really difficult problems. Like we have one right now that's a, uh, water treatment facility and they're mixing, um, a chemical into the water and they want to know after it goes through some baffles and falls over kind of a little waterfall and, goes into a new pond what's what's the concentration look like in that pond that's really been a tough problem um and uh we got it working and and they tried to do it themselves and never could quite get it to go so those are the kind of problems that we're doing more and more of on the cfd side and and certainly on on the uh, electromagnetic and then when it comes to mechanical we only get nasty problems because <laughs> Mechanical so much easier now than it used to. I mean, it has almost gotten to push a button type of simulation on the mechanical side. So it's got to be a nasty one to send out. So, so you, you know when they call, it's only get the headache bills out. Yeah, it's, it's, we know it's not going to be easy. And it's, it's funny. We had a, we had an aerospace customer, um, uh, who was our contact at this large corporation and he, he kind of disappeared. And then we got this, this just this nasty, painful job, and, it, and we we made very good money on it. We we spent half of it on aspirin, as you say, um, but it was a really tough job, and, and it was a real struggle. And we did get it to work. And I ran into this guy; he had transferred to another group, and I'm like, "Why did you transfer to the other group?" And he said, "To get away from that problem." <laughs> I, I did not want to deal with that. And I'm so, I'm so sorry that you guys ended up with it. I thought they were going to drop that simulation when I left the team, but they decided to give it to you guys instead. And you were foolish enough to say yes. So <laughs> there are some bad ones out there. So that, that being said, have we got any advice for somebody who's crazy enough to be thinking about starting a, a CFD company today? So maybe starting a, a, a consultancy, it's kind of, the easiest business to start may not be the easiest business to uh, to continue with after you put your shingle up and say, "Give me some CFD work." But um, if somebody is crazy enough to uh, to go that route, what kind of what's the sort of key skills that they're going to need apart from being able to do CFD? You know, I think one piece of advice that I will give, and we did not follow this, and and we struggle with it all the time, is specialize in an area where you know the industry. So maybe it's maybe it's like rocket nozzle design. Yeah, you, you may come from a rocket nozzle company, or you may be chemical mixing, or you may be combustion. Stay focused on what you know beyond the CFD, um, because those are the problems that people are trying to outsource. Um, and we're, we're very general, so we have to pass on a lot of those, or we refer them to the specialists. So if it's a one or two person shop, I highly recommend that. Just Just be really good at at the know the industry know the terms know the problems they're trying to solve turning the crank on the on the cfd is really hard to do and you got to be good at it but it's useless if you don't really understand what they're trying to do and don't speak their language so that's a biggie um i think i think the other thing is you gotta learn to sell um and and we thought naively that we're really good at what we do. We have a lot of people know us and said, yeah, if you guys start a business, we'll send you work. It doesn't work that way. Um, and we're nice too. They just, <laughs> it just doesn't happen. You know, so you have to sell. Um, and even the, the companies that we work with that are, that are individual contributors that are, you know, have their own consulting company. It's not the same thing as selling a car, but 
you're still constantly building relationships, making sure people know that you know what you know, making sure you, that you, they know you can help them. Because the problem with consulting business, and I'm going to rec- when I get done talking, I'm going to recommend a book that I think is perfect for this consulting business, is um, you have to have gotten trust with the person when they need your help. And the problem is when you meet them, they don't need your help. It's six months to a year down the road where they go, oh, crap, I need a CFD simulation on this. Uh-huh. Who knows CFD? Who do I trust to do CFD? And if you haven't built that relationship and kept that relationship, they're going to go with somebody else. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty rare that people go on the internet and Google CFD consulting and then get three quotes and pass out a job. You, even if they find you that way, you have to spend weeks, if not months, building trust with them. Um, and the book that we learned this the hard way. And then one of my engineers said, you should read this book. I think it would have been really helpful 25 years ago. And I'm looking it up right now. Um, and it would have been brilliantly helpful. Um, it's called how clients buy a practical guide to business development for consulting and professional services. And it's, yeah, these guys are mostly accountants and lawyers, but it's the same problem. And they, they really, yeah, I would have killed for it 25 years ago. I would have, we would have grown faster and had less headache. Um, the business side of things, uh, you know, if you build it, they will not come. You've got to get out there and let people know you're here, share your knowledge, build, build relationships and then get business. Um, and then once you've, once you do a good job, they come back, but getting that first job is really hard. So I'll put a link to the, uh, to that in the show notes. The other thing I'm going to put a link to in the show notes is your podcast. Can you um, give us a bit of a um, an overview of what that's all about? Mm-hmm. You, you've been doing that for a while now, haven't you? Yeah, it's been two years now. Uh, I just realized that it's been two years uh, this, this month. So we started it. It's funny. We started our podcast because we started selling ANSYS in Southern California. And we could never get engineers in Southern California to pay attention to us. So we thought, well, what do people do in Southern California? They sit in traffic all day. Let's do a podcast. <laughs> so it's called All Things ANSYS. And it really started uh, early on as a, hey, buy ANSYS from me, and nobody listened to it. So now it's really for ANSYS users and, and, and users of all kinds. But most of our listeners are in the ANSYS community or have been in the past. And we interview, like I interviewed John Swanson, who's the guy that uh, started ANSYS and wrote the first, uh, the, the first yeah. uh, program called ANSYS. It was a structural code. Um, I'm interviewing the two gentlemen that wrote CFX tomorrow, actually of all things. So we're, we're shifting a little bit to talk more about user experiences, tips and hints. Uh, when a new product comes out, we'll, we'll get on there and talk about the new product. Um, interview developers from ANSYS. Had a great talk at the Turbo Expo um, about a month and a half ago where I've got a user um, that works for, that used to be a CFX uh, developer and now, now kind of is a product manager at CFX and then a user for a consulting company in the UK about the history of CFD and how that's all gone. And it was a great talk. So we're really kind of shifting it more towards um, our thought being if, uh, if we met up at a conference and we're in a bar, what we're going to talk about. Um, That's kind of our theme. (laughs) Absolutely. So if you're listening to this, you should be listening to that. So the link will be in the show notes and the link to the book, everything that we mentioned, will be in the show notes. But if somebody's particularly interested in in reaching out for, to, uh, find out more about what you guys do or to contact you directly um, website, the place to go again, probably yep. the link in the show so, notes. Yeah. But, um, 
LinkedIn, is that a good place to catch you guys? Actually, for me, um, yeah. So if you want to follow myself and what I'm up to, so the, the podcast gets posted there as well as I do a weekly uh, article on the business of technology um, and kind of all sorts of crazy things in our local business journal. And I post those to LinkedIn. Uh, my, my last article that was really popular was uh, my mobile office, what I carry in my backpack when I travel around the world uh, doing, doing engineering and business. Um, and I, I carry a lot. <laughs> as you would imagine I, now that i'm not doing simulation my laptop's about a quarter the size but um i do remote in to to run ansys and fluent so um that that's a big change but anyway um yeah so it's all on there and if you just uh if you just uh, go into linkedin and look for eric miller in um p-a-d-t um is the company and you'll find me in linkedin and, and i and i accept everybody who's not trying to sell me uh um, Tupperware or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> so awesome. do snack and, and check out our website at pdtinc.com and uh, would love to uh, to hear from folks and spread the word of CFD. You know, I think it's becoming main. It has become mainstream. Um, uh, when we started, um, CFD was kind of a rarefied thing, and now most of our customers that that have some sort of gas or fluid flowing do some form of CFD. So it's good to see. So at least people know what we're talking about now. They do. You know, we used to come in and say, we're here to talk to you about simulation. And we talk about the mechanical side and they go, yeah. And then we talk about CFD and they go, what's that? You can do that? (laughs) (laughs) Stuff of the future. Yes, exactly. Um, In fact, check out ansys discovery have you checked out the ansys discovery live tool i haven't used it but everything i've seen on it is kind of mind-blowing it is mind-blowing um it's it's, for those that haven't seen it it is real-time cfd it does structural as well but the cfd is really cool so you change a baffle move something um you can see the flow change accuracy you know it's it's there it's it points in the right direction um it's i would not um optimize my design on it i could go to full cfd for that but you know we're going to see more of these gpu driven um uh, solvers that give us real-time cfd so i'm so excited about that yeah it's good to have something to be excited about Mm -hmm. especially in our space I really want to thank you, Eric, for taking the time to come on. It's been really good. It's been a fun chat. You can tell you do this regularly. We we have fun. We we do enjoy ourselves. I I you know I didn't say this when we started, but the whole reason why we started the company is we wanted to go to a place. We wanted to create a company where we wanted to go to work in the morning, and uh, we do love this stuff. It's so much fun. <laughs> so can I complain? <laughs> yeah, amen to that. Awesome. Thanks again. All right, thank you. Really appreciate it.